Welcome to Belonging Before Believing, where we love to squish babies. A baby squishes. A baby baby squishes. I'm Patrick Mathers, the baby baby squisher. And across the table from me is Big Brad Guppy. What up, dude? Hey. So when you say squishing babies, uh-huh. it sounds like babies were harmed in the making like of Like ringing out a towel or something with the babies? Yeah. <laughs> Bring them to me. I'm going to squish them. Squish them babies. Yeah. No, that's this not is, what happened. You know what? We just we just did our intro music, and Doug, if you're listening, I got to squish the baby Biddle already. <laughs> what I mean is, Joel and Ellen Biddle just had their baby boy. Ugh. Big so bad excited. Benjamin Biddle. Yes. Benji. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh. most people don't know why that's funny. A punch in the eye for mom that. And, mom and dad Biddle do not want do, you to call him Benji. Benji. But I'm like already calling him that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I went, so we went over there. So, hey, my wife is here. This is the first time she's been in here. We recorded. Hey, wife. Dude, she said she's not going to talk to that's her. That was her high right there. Yeah. Did she, it was a silent <laughs> wave. I'm no, a, she looked at me and her. put her eyebrows up and was like, shut up, Pat. Don't even look at me. Right? Yes. Yep, nod the head. See? Verify. BG. Got it. <laughs> Got it. So um, we went over there. When was did we go Friday? It was Friday after work, wasn't it? Yeah. And we went over there and saw the baby Biddle. And much to my consternation, my wife had already beat me there and was sitting in the chair holding baby Biddle when we got there. And Benjamin was snug, all wrapped up, and my wife knows how to treat a baby, that's for sure. And then I picked him up, and he was like kind of squirming a little bit, and I squished his little cheeks. And <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. I did it. <laughs> He's cute. <laughs> oh, Babies awesome. are fun, dude. Yeah. Yeah, they're so fun. I mean, little kids is kind of my demographic. Mm-hmm. Like, I can just, like, jump around and be super silly and make funny faces all day long. And kids love that. Babies, I can make baby noises. Joel, the cutest Good thing. Good job. <laughs> it's kind of the podcast, isn't it? Make a lot of baby noises. I make a lot of baby noises. Joel, the other day, this was the best quote so far. And I don't. I think that this was might have been in our text group. Maybe it was just to me. But he said, I'm just sitting in the, here and I'm loving listening to him breathe. Did you, was that it with no, you? No. Okay, that was just for me then. That's such a thing. And though. I'm like, oh, you are a dad now. Because yep. that's it. You can just sit there and listen to your kids breathe. Yep. And and it's creepy when they're teenagers and you do that. But Dude, I was about to say, <laughs> Zoe, she'll be seven here soon. Yep. And I still, yep. when I, uh, I carry her from falling asleep in our bed and mm-hmm. put her in her own bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, still. Yep. Still. Kids are, kids are fun. Yeah. Yeah, little kids are fun. Teenager kids are fun in a different way. And me and Lily, oh, me and Lily yesterday, we went Pokemon hunting. So I talked her into downloading Pokemon Go. And I called me a Mewtwo, which is super duper for me. I feel pretty good about it. And that's about all I had to say about that. I got less than that to say about that. (laughs) It's like somebody texted me about college football scores yesterday. And I sent them the most sarcastic, but perfect, I don't care gif. Yeah? Which yeah. one was it? Uh, it? I don't know. It's just some dude. He like waves his hands in this like arc over his head uh-huh. and the words appear. It just goes, I don't care. Yeah. It was pretty good. It was to Paul. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, boy, this beer is pretty good. I didn't expect anything from Stone to taste this good. 
I still think Stone's one of the most overrated breweries, but yes, I agree. That one was For good. sure, it's one of the most overrated. I am not normally impressed, but this one's not bad. Yeah. Sir Pale Ale, Stone Ripper. Good pick, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so what do we got on the diggity docket? We are talking about how should a Christian view global warming? Oh, way to bring it down. And how concerned should we be? Does it promote the idea that man is in control and not God? Can I answer the last part first? You can do whatever you want. It's your podcast. No, it's your podcast. Okay, then yes. <laughs> and that was the right answer, by the way. I know. I know. <laughs> I want to keep doing it. I'm going to stroke your ego. Nice. My squishy little ego. Little ego squishy. Oh, dang it. Oh, right, little squishy ego. I feel like this is having the opposite effect. <laughs> But please, answer the last question first. Yes. Yes, climate change, global warming implies that man is in control, not God. Yes, it does. Which is why we're going to answer this the way we're going to answer this. And we're going to put God on the throne. Well, no, he is on the throne. We're going to point. That's very big of you to put God on the throne. I know, I know, dude. I I caught myself. Uh Uh, We're going to point and show people God's on the throne. (laughs) How about that? Okay. So what, what's the what's the real question? All, all kidding aside, what is it? How should a Christian view global warming and how okay. concerned should we be? Okay, how should a Christian... I don't think that last view? question is a throwaway, though. I think it's a good logical conclusion based on the way that you answer the first and second. Like how you answer the mm-hmm. first and second will okay. certainly kind of answer the third one. But I don't think... Right. But like a lot of these questions... Um, Right, it reason, takes it to its logical conclusion yeah. for our practice, the reason, for our well, theology. Yeah, I thought we should. I should just throw that out in the beginning, though, is to identify presuppositions. Mm-hmm. Is the issue climate change has a whole lot of political baggage <laughs> attached to it. Yeah. And so we want to point that out right away. That's what I was doing. I'm pointing out, yes, that the political issue of climate change implies that man is in control and not God. And what we want to do is look at this issue from a Christian perspective and point out that God is, in fact, in control. And that's, excuse me, that's our foundational presupposition. So what, what, how we start, and we have to start, is that God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything with order. He created everything in a way that um, functions holy, right? All the systems are in place. A hydrological system here on the earth, the gravitational system throughout the universe, you know, I mean, all everything's functioning. And when we come to Genesis chapter 6, we find a, a bit of chaos being thrown into that order when the whole earth is flooded and everything, uh, all, all creatures are drowned except for the ones that God had Noah saved. Um, within the ark there. And from that point on, we find that God says that he will never flood the world again, and that the rainbow in the sky is actually a symbol of that. So the rainbow is actually a symbol uh, of God's covenant promise that he will not pour out his wrath on humanity by flooding the world again. That's what it means. So it's always a little funny when you see like, 
Noah's Ark stuff in the kids' bedroom, you know? <laughs> right. And little, like, <laughs> laminate pictures on the wall with their, Everybody's smiling, smiling and super and happy. Smiling and happy. Oh, There's my friends rainbow. just died! Yeah, no, no. <laughs> yeah it's, it's a little twisted, but yeah, that's, that's the thing. So the reason why we go there is because the implication of climate change or global warming is that the world's going to flood again, right? That's the... That's, that's well, what's we, gonna happen. The polar ice caps are melting, you know, and and all that kind of stuff. And so the Earth's gonna gonna be flooded again. And and we look to Scripture and say, no, that's not going to happen. So how do we as Christians? What do we do to account for what? Let's be honest. Most science at this point is telling us is happening. Right. Um, don't you think there's some level of gradation to that though? Yeah. That maybe the polar ice caps can melt and like half of the world is underwater. Mm. And no. you don't think so? No. No. Although there have been ice ages, mm-hmm. clearly, where ice has covered huge, vast swaths of inha- of habit habitable. Inhabitable? And I almost said inhabitable, but habitable land. Oh, I guess and, you're right. Um, so we know that that's happened in the past, but it hasn't covered the whole world, but the earth is cooled and the earth is warmed um, lots and lots over the course of human history, uh, recorded human history anyways. And when we, we look around, we, we really don't have a tremendous amount of um, meteorological um, statistics to pull from. We have like oh, just over 100 years verifiable, like legit statistics we can look at. And there's stuff before that, but it's not near as calculated and scientific. So today when we're saying the earth is warming, what we're really saying is it's warming up against numbers that we have as far back as we can go. And we're concerned about the climate gaining, you know, two percentage points or more of temperature worldwide and that that's going to lead to catastrophe, which um, I'm no scientist nor the son of a scientist, but I have no reason to doubt that that, you know, could cause some real problems. Um, I don't think that it's nearly as catastrophic as some people want to lead us to believe. And the reason why is because a lot of that is typically tagged on with a political or social agenda rather than it seems like, you know, a, a genuine concern for humanity and it's like there's this agenda behind it instead of just people's, you know, the best interest of people. We were talking the other night at Secret Trail um, with Nick Roberts, who is maybe the smartest guy I know. Maybe. Maybe. He's definitely not the smartest guy I know. Who's the smartest guy you know? I don't know. I just said that to troll Tom Nick Mathers. Roberts. It's Tom Mathers. Oh. That's where you, you just blew it, dude. You should have said it's me. Oh. No, never mind. <laughs> I can't imagine why my brain didn't just react that way. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Uh. <laughs> oh, so Nick is a smart guy. He Nick's really smart. He's a smarter guy. I don't know what kind of accent that was. <laughs> <laughs> but you joined me, so it was good. It was the Nick Roberts accent. I don't know why we both went there with that, right? Roberts is not whatever. I don't even know what we were trying to do. 
so Nick, the other day, he was so he asked what the next recording is going to be, and I told him this, and he just went off, like started. Not, I mean, not in an angry way, but he was like rattling off like scientific studies and stuff, and he he's well versed in this. And one of the things he brought up is that a lot of the issues we're seeing are just natural occurrences. For example, there was this glacier in Greenland that had melted and everyone was panicking, like, here's evidence of global warming. And then when they were able to go down where the glacier was and actually examine, they found an underground volcano that was actually heating up that particular portion where the glacier was, and it wasn't global warming at all. It was it was that. So Nick's point was there are, that happens a lot. There are a lot of isolated instances that if you put them all together and lump them all together, you could make a case for a global-wide phenomenon when it doesn't have to be that necessarily. And so the thing that I worry about is that there's a lot of talk and jargon because it's so politically motivated and it is a, a hot-button issue that there's not in my mind, taking into account certain things like this, you know, that just naturally occur, ice naturally breaks off. Now, you know, off of the polar ice caps and that kind of thing. Now, am I saying that, that it's just hogwash? No, I don't know that. I, I, I don't know, and I'm, I'm certainly not saying that. I certainly think that it would be foolish to just throw the baby out with the bathwater and not take, you know, assume that all the science isn't credible. I'm sure a lot of it is. And I'm sure that we put plenty of pollutants in the air, in the water, in nature, and we cause plenty of problems. There's no doubt about that, right? I mean, I, I, there, I don't think you and me would have a quibble about that. No, that there's cause and effect, that yeah. our actions have consequences and repercussions when it comes to the way that our world looks. Right, feels, well, I mean, we made behaves. the hole in the ozone. Yeah. Right. That was for sure man-made. Yeah. But since we stopped using or largely stopped using, the hole has kind of repaired itself. I mean, there's still it, – it, it's not like it used to be. That's a it, tiny hole. Not, it, it still is. But And maybe it'll get better. It's getting better. Put a little Band-Aid on it. I'm not quite dead. <laughs> Shut up. You'll be dead in a moment. <laughs> I'm getting better. I think I'll go for a walk now. Nice. <laughs> I think the earth is naturally more hardy than we're going to give it credit for. I think that's true. What I was going to say, and we brushed over this like eight minutes ago, but uh, is that I had a very secular professor in college who was teaching earth science of all things. Go figure. And uh, she was like, yeah, everybody's making this huge, big fuss. Weather patterns have always been cyclical. Always. We went through an ice age. And that was like a big, do you think that was human made? Because that's why we have an ice age because of humans and all their behavior way back then. Yeah, probably not. So weather climate, which is weather, you know, over time, goes through cycles. So we're, our cycle is changing. Everybody just calm down. She was like real curmudgeon about it. It was great. (laughs) And like I said, super, super secular. She was teaching, um, yeah, earth science at, at a college. And she's just like, yeah, no, everybody needs to chill out. Yeah, I, I think that that that's probably wise. I think everybody needs to chill out, and we'll see 
we'll see what happens. I think it's wise that we have an environmental protection agency. I think it's wise that we have regulations in place that we're not polluting rivers. I mean, like the river in Cleveland in seven, the seventies was like literally on fire for days. Like the river flowing down the middle of or Cleveland was on fire. What kind of nightmarish hellscape are you living in <sighs> when your river is on fire? Ohio, man. <laughs> and that wasn't the first time. That was like the third time that the river caught fire. It was so okay. Man had an effect on that. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Okay, I you know me, I way lean libertarian. Mm-hmm. So I am not a fan of big government. However, I am a fan of government that actually helps and does doesn't make things worse. <laughs> you like that? Yes. Yeah, I was trying to think of a better way to say that, but I couldn't. Simple's better. Just stick with it. So I too am a fan of government that does not make things worse. <laughs> Which means smaller. <laughs> well, more accountability. We'd actually agree yeah, on that. But. Smaller, more accountability is to the people, that's what's going to help. But what my point is, is that, so when we put regulations in place that protect the environment, that restrict um, greedy corporations from cutting costs by just dumping their pollutants into the, into the river so it can get fire, that's a good thing. That's yeah. when the government is doing its job that it's supposed to do. The government's role is to protect the people and protect people's property. And in both of those instances, that's a good thing that the EPA is doing. So, to pick on our own team, yeah. that being I'm, conservative Christians. Good, good, because that's where I was going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't you think that they like to significantly downplay our responsibility to be good stewards? Generally speaking, I think they would say no. Practically speaking, I think I'm yes. I'm sure they would the say answer. no. Right, no, yeah. but I, I mean, I... I want to give them, they're, they're probably going to say no. Yeah. They probably are trying to be good stewards. But um, I think that that, uh, they, that we failed in a lot of ways probably, and we've conceded ground to government and political action agencies that we ourselves should be spearheading. I think part of being a good steward of the environment is um, – also sharing the wealth that we do have. Mm-hmm. So I don't like the idea lately of saying that we shouldn't share energy saving techniques, even in including burning coal in some places and, and carbon, um, you know, oils and petroleum based uh, energies in third world countries, because that could harm the environment. Well, we're keeping those people down. And while we are moving in the direction of trying to find better energy sources, nuclear, solar, I think are both good alternatives, that we should be helping other countries to elevate themselves and so that there isn't this chasm of poverty on one side of the world versus the other side of the world. And partially due to the fact that, you know, we're we're not spreading the wealth of knowledge. I'm not saying just right. throw a bunch of money at them, but share the wealth of knowledge with them. I, I love how, this is funny, how do you, just recently that there was this thing in about Iranian farmers not being able to farm parts of their land because of poor irrigation techniques. 
And so Israel, which has massively helpful irrigation, they can irrigate bone dry desert. It's crazy. But they have these science and technology to be able to do that. And so they just put it out there on the web so that any farmer in Iran can just download these schematics and start irrigating their own property with almost nothing. Hmm. That, I love that. Yeah. And not just because of the Jewish, Muslim, Iran, Israel thing. That, that kind of makes – I yeah. like that too. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think that that's the way we should be treating these kind of technologies. You know, that they're, they're, I, I'm fine with free market capitalism. However – a lot of times what that does is it keeps a very small handful of companies that hoard all of these intellectual properties, which actually could be benefiting society as a whole uh, globally. Now, I don't know how you fix that. Um, I, don't, I certainly don't think that something like socialism is the answer where the government just steps in and starts mm-hmm. taking control of companies and people's lives and stuff. Um, but there, there must be a better solution that I just haven't thought of myself. Well, here, I'm going to get us back to what we were starting to talk about a little bit before <clears throat> and really talk about this whole, have Christians blown it here? Because frankly, that's probably why we're getting asked this question is people mm. think that we're going to answer in a certain way. Um, what, what, what Christian, oh, you have somewhere you're going, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So I just, I think that, <sighs> That evangelicals, if I can use that term, whatever that means anymore, uh, that they could be guilty of putting faith and science at odds where it need not be placed at odds with one another. Hmm. And you think I, that's the problem? I think that I see it in individuals where as soon as science tells you that you should behave one way that you want to dig your heels in. And sometimes we can point to, oh, like God sits on the throne, so I don't need to change my behavior, even though science is telling me one way. And so what it made me think of Hmm. is somebody in the 60s who, you know, it looks like smoking's probably bad for you. Well, my dad smoked and he lived to be a ripe old age of 58. Why would I stop? And... Oh, well, the earth is fine. It's always been fine. Lay off me and let me use my, you know, what, my V8 and pollute the earth and use all my spray cans. Oh, aerosol. Aerosol. I could not think of aerosol to save my I life. I meant that tomato drink. V8. I'm <laughs> yes. Like, what? Like, <laughs> give me my tomato juice. Dang it. <laughs> I was not thinking. I got motor. stuck on aerosol and I could not get past it. And so V8 just couldn't. <laughs> How am I polluting? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You know, interestingly enough, rein me in if I get squirrely here, but uh, Nick brought up another interesting point is in the late 60s and early 70s, there was a major movement within climate science, which it wasn't called that at the time, but environmental studies at the time, that the earth was cooling and they were concerned about is does man have an effect on the earth cooling and that that he was getting to the point that that actually led to this kind of science throughout the last 50 years looking into this issue and going no there's kind of an upward trend actually but really so my point is is that doesn't go enough far enough back to really give us a 
barometer. But I wonder in that scenario, how have evangelicals screwed it up? I, I think the only thing that we could could say is that we're putting our heads in the sand a little bit. Maybe I, what I don't like is the whole science and Christianity at odds thing, because then it's giving science more power than it actually has. Science is not a philosophy. Yeah. Science is facts and based upon research and induction, which oddly enough, and this isn't an episode on that, but you can't do without a set of rationality that implies uniformity. And that implies a deity. If you go far enough back, you're really doing science. You're actually assuming God, but you you, you haven't proved. Anyways, again, that, taking things to their logical yeah, conclusion. taking things to their logical conclusion. They they they're borrowing capital that they don't actually have. So when science says here is something, I don't like that. There's a philosophy implied behind that. I it, I think we should take it for what it is and. It's going to be incomplete at best. There's been, I don't even know how many times throughout history where science has said something and then just been disproven later on down the road. I mean, I can even go look back in my science books from when I was in high school, which wasn't that long ago, and we laugh at some of the things that are in there. You know, they'd be pretty silly. Yeah. But science changes because we gain more knowledge. Science hasn't actually changed, and it hasn't actually become a philosophy, but it's just grown in its ability to um, discern truths and facts. And so we want to take those truths and facts, and in my opinion, I think the Bible teaches that this is God's earth, it's God's creation. We should be able to see that information and be able to see God behind that, and then use those things for the glory of God, those answers that we get from science. Should we be trying to get rid of plastic straws? No, I don't think so. I think what we should be doing, and I'm sure that this is happening and I'm just unaware of it, is that when so when, when a product comes along, plastic straws, there should then always be a move to make the next better thing. And trying to find, well, what can replace that and be better for the environment, economically, um, for the customer, and always around. And so I think that we should be actively looking for new and alternative ways to make straws while at the same time using what we do have. I don't, I think it's a knee-jerk reaction, you know, that is politically charged, not scientifically based i was going to say is that just your pragmatism speaking or do you think we have a moral spiritual obligation to our creator yes no we do if we're going to be good stewards of the earth then we're going to use what god has given us Uh we're we're not going to just go live out in a cave somewhere and you know everything that man has made is bad no no not at all it's good he gave it to us to use part of being a good steward of it is using it right Jesus said that the guy who had, you know, 10 coins and went and put them in the bank to gain interest was the wise one. And the one who did nothing with it was the foolish one. Right? Right. So there's wisdom in using what God has given us. So we're totally right in using it. When we find we're using it wrong or in error or it's doing more harm than good, then we shouldn't do that anymore. But we certainly can go on and find alternatives to those things 
so that we can be good stewards and, and use the gift of creation that God has given us. Should Christians be driving hybrids? Well, that, sure, they can, yeah. I mean, there's a whole thought out there that electric cars actually do more harm environmentally than um, uh, petroleum-based cars, but I, I'm... I, I'm not savvy enough. I mean, I've read a couple of things about that, but I don't know enough to make a qualified yes or no, this is what we should be doing. But I think at this point, I don't see a reason why we shouldn't. But again, I don't think it's something that's mandated. So as I hear you talk through this episode, what I hear at the end of it all is we lack the consensus, scientifically speaking, necessary to really compel Christians to behave just about one way or another in any given situation because science changes so quickly. Well, we, we, should, we should be... Well, the science doesn't change. It advances. Sorry. The, but, it, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. That was nitpicky. I, I didn't mean to... How be, dare you? <laughs> I couldn't come up with the word aerosol and then you're going to stick no, me on no. that? I just... It just <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That was unfair. Answer the question. I, I'm getting there. I, I think what Christians should do – here's the problem before I say what Christians should do is Christians and most people are lazy. This requires thought, what I'm about to say. It, it requires study and diligence. Um, and so what I think that we should do is we should, as Christians, be as educated as we can about all of these issues as we can, which is why I asked Nick, my smart friend, questions that I don't necessarily have all of the um, information available to me. And he tells me what he thinks, and I trust his opinion a lot more than I trust a lot of people's. Mm -hmm. and, and then I will make I a, really do think Nick is smart. I was... <laughs> No, you don't. I was just kidding, no, Nick. It was he just was rolling his eyes, Nick. It was just the whole a joke. Time, he's rolling his eyes. He doesn't take that. <laughs> but um, they, I think that what we should do is we should take the information we have and we should pray about it, number one, and Lord, lead us and guide us in the right way. Not that he's going to, you know, divinely inspire a new book in the Bible of environmentalism or something, but that we should take the information that we have we should make a good, wise decision, and how can we be the best stewards of what we do have? And if I come to that conclusion, you know what? At this point, I'm compelled and think that maybe getting a hybrid is the wisest thing to do. Then maybe do that. And you know, I, I for me, I think the wisest decision was buying my truck for five hundred bucks. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not a wealthy guy. I thought this is a good deal. It gets me where I need to go. And it's a V6, so it, it's sort of economical, <laughs> but I'm only driving around town. So for me, I'm, I don't consider that I'm doing massive damage. It's not a, um, you know, eight mile a gallon car or anything like that. But at the same time, it's like it's the, that was the wisest decision for us. If I'm getting good steward of what God's given me, I'm going to spend less yeah. on this car. So I can't qualitatively qualitatively, is that right, definitively say that this is what's right for every single Christian. This is a Christian liberty thing where we definitely need to follow our consciences as we've prayed through the issue. Yeah. But you got to be savvy about it. You can't be stupid and just 
pray and then throw a dart at the wall or, you know, just on a whim make a decision. You need to be informed. But to go back to the last question, does it promote the idea that man is in control and not God? I think, of course, we would say that God is in control. But to think that just because God is in control that you can, you're going to go and do whatever you want without consequence is immature. Yeah, we have, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to glorify God with the things he's given us. So we, yeah, you're right. We do have to take that responsibility very seriously and act accordingly. Yeah, God's in control. I still make my daughter bathe. Right. I I still I still take care of, you know, things that of course I trust him with, but at the same time things have been placed in my care. Yeah. Yeah, but the, the, this same exact issue applies to every single totally. thing in life. That's what I mean. So I, it, to me, it's a little unfair to bring it up in this instance. Of course, it, it implies man is in control, but man's not. And God's in control of everything that takes place. And we can go down the sovereignty of God trail for a long time, but at the end of the day is that we are held accountable for the choices we make. We can't punt and say, well... God didn't clean up the ozone. You know, we can't do that. So I was talking to this guy, and he's dating this girl who is over the top, like over the top conservationist, right? Okay. Um, will not take a food to go if it's going to be in styrofoam. Like every single time she goes to get coffee, it's a reusable cup, whatever. Like, and you know, some okay. of, a lot of the stuff is like really good. I don't want to knock that. Um, but anyway, he's telling me like, yeah, I was talking to her and she says that there's a piece of styrofoam the size of Texas at the bottom of the ocean and just wanted me to be flabbergasted. And all I said back is, dude, where else are you going to put a piece of styrofoam that big? (laughs) That's great. (laughs) That's great. Uh, do you have a question of the day? That's funny. I, so I, yeah, I would have taken that a different direction. (laughs) But that's great. <laughs> okay, yeah, let me find one that's... Um... Oh, yeah, let's do this one. What's the most beautiful place that you have visited near where you live? That kind of goes with today's thing. Yeah, yeah. What's the most beautiful place that you've been to near here? Or in Woodland. Let's count Woodland, too. Because I'm going to... Not pick Chico. You're not going to pick Chico? No, no. Uh, if we're going to talk, I mean, Woodland has nothing to offer on top of Chico. Tried to throw a bone. Yeah, no, it didn't help. It's only because I want to skate around it. Yeah. Anyway, honestly, when it's springtime around here and you go mm-hmm. up that canyon and you see the bluffs and everything else, and it's everything beautiful. is really green still. I I just love that drive, like up old 32, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, or down by the covered bridge mm-hmm. at Woodson. So for me, it's the beach. As I, I just love the beach. It's the thing that I miss, besides my parents, it's the only thing I miss about Southern California, really, is the beach. I just love it, love the sound, love the smell, love the sand, Love. I don't like being dirty, so I don't like camping very much. But man, I love being dirty coming back from the beach and just that beachy, salty feel. Oh, I I love the beach. It's beautiful. 
Uh, you could watch the sunrise, sunset, the fog, clear day, anytime I could go to the beach. See, that's super funny because I almost talked about driving up to Almanor. Mm-hmm. And, and you say the beach, it reminds me of something me and Malin were talking about where he talks about how Southern California kids, they're always beach kids. Northern California kids, they'd always rather be at a lake. Oh, I guess so. I, yeah. Like you, th- I think about like Almanor and Tahoe and like all these other places and beaches are fine. But uh, I, I would like I like being at the beach. I'm never at the beach and be like, oh, I wish this was a lake. Like it's not like that. Never, no. never in my life. No. I- <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I do love me a lake. Yeah. Probably a little bit more than like I would if we're gonna pick a perfect day. I'd rather go to a lake than a beach. I think. Mm-hmm. Listener, what's the most beautiful place near where you live? Let us know for if we ever get out there, we want to go see it. And maybe go with us. Yeah. We'll drink a beer, have a good talk, and enjoy nature. So say it in the comments so we can invite ourselves to your place. We kind of already did for Jason out in Georgia. Yeah, we did. We're like, yeah, we need to think of a time to go out there, just if nothing else to surprise him. Oops, I just let the cat out of the bag. Well, he doesn't know when. He'll still be very surprised. (laughs) We'll probably hit him up before we show up. Yeah, right. So if you are an over-the-top conservationist like my friend's lady or if you are one of them V8 driving. Tire burning for Earth Day. Yes, one of them. Either way, we believe that you belong. 